Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to an all-new episode of Comedy Goldmines, where we love to do one thing, and that's get inside the minds of brilliant comedians. Why? Well, because these are amazing minds. Why are they amazing minds? Well, because I'm one of them, and I feel like I got an amazing mind. So I feel like anybody that embraces comedy in some type of way, shape, or form has an amazing mind, too. Well, today's guest, he was on Last Comic Standing, his 2019 HBO special, The Great Depression, a recent role on 2019's The Joker, and guys, look out for him on his new date on his Peace of Mind tour. Also, he's got an upcoming book called K-12. through Please show some love for Gary Goldman. What's up, Gary? Thanks, Kevin Hart. It's it's an honor to work with you today. It's been a long time since we worked together. It's been a very long time, man. Yeah, a very long. How many years? God, I think it was the 2010 or 11 <laughs> Just for Laughs in in Montreal. It was. I was going to say maybe 2009. Yeah, I was going to say nine. I was going to say 2009, yeah. man. Yeah, I think it was before the big house. Is that possible? You're right in. Well, I remember it was it was like my second just for last. Oh wow! So so I know it was. I think it was like in that eight or nine time period for sure. Okay. How you been, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm 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 thriving despite the pandemic and not having really got on stage in the past year. But I I I feel good mentally, physically. I've I've been really stroking it at the courts lately. Really, my jumper is as good as I remember it as it was in, in the 11th or 12th grade when I, <laughs> when I switched my game up. And then I've been, I've been working on a book. So that's, that's really helpful as far as keeping my creativity flowing. That's been a godsend, man. If I didn't have that, that book deal, I would have lost my mind, I think. Wow. Well, we're going to get into that, man, plus so much. Uh, Gary, you know, the first thing I want to say, where are you from? Gary. Originally, I am from Peabody, Mass., which is a suburb of Boston, about 16 miles north of, of Boston, kind of a working class type area. Yeah. And Gary, how long have you been doing comedy now? It'll be 28 years on October 11th this year. When you say that, how does that, how does that make you feel? When you go 28 <laughs> years, 28 years you have been slinging jokes. Is that a good feeling for you? It feels terrific, but... Mostly because I figured it out two or three years ago. It, uh, about twenty-five years in, I, I finally felt I, I knew what I was doing as far as <laughs> as far as writing jokes, and and that's that sounds just about right. You know what, man? The reason why I said I was excited to talk to you because 
one thing um one thing that is that is something that a lot of people um know about comedians you know they say you know some comedians really go through it some comedians suffer some comedians are you know there's there's something behind that mask of funny for most and it was it was one thing that you know i remember at a point in my life where i never really understood where it came from because of you know how i operated and then i got to meet uh a lot of people that were in the business with us and you know we do go through things we go through a lot of things in a way that we as comedians handle these things are different and you i know that uh judd apatow judd apatow produced he produced the uh great depression with you back in 2019 man and yeah. you were you were extremely like vocal about what you went through about what you were going through and the thing that i want to get into is the discovery and reason behind you saying, you know what, this is something that I need to get out. This is something that I want to talk about. This is something that I want to bring awareness to. When do you feel like it started to really get to you within the craft? Well, that's a that's a great question because I I, I felt like early on you're just figuring out how to how to swim and you're treading water for mm-hmm. for a year or so. There there are very few guys who who are funny immediately, or maybe they're funny immediately, but you look at them and they're like, these people are very, very green and they, they have a long way to go, but they have a, a, a spirit in them and a certain likability. And I think I, I had that from the get go, but I had no craft and I had no technique and I didn't really know how to write a joke. And I, I would say after about three or four years, I, I figured out what I wanted to sound like on stage and, and moved towards that. But the, the thing that kept getting in my way was this, this sort of, brain system that would would i would react to to i would get easily discouraged and i my discouragement would would just overwhelm me and i would i would want to give up and it would set me back months because i wasn't i wasn't able to go up there with confidence or or be as 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 much of a hustler as i am naturally and and as much of a hard worker as i am because i would i would just get in my head so much so that was something that was sort of needling me over the years and and make me operate maybe at 75% and then at about 25 years the 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 depression that i suffered in in 2017 was was so severe that it it wasn't even a matter of not performing at my at my best it was not being able to really function as a as a as a human and as a person who who was able to take care of themselves really i was just i was eking out a life and and that was was something that i had to address and so i addressed that i went into the hospital i had certain treatments that one of them was was alarming to everybody when i when i brought it up but i one of the things that i wanted to get across in the in the in the special in the great depression i wanted to make people understand that the the treatments are modern and they're effective and that they're not something to be afraid of so that that was important mm-hmm. that i get that across then when i started to feel better i still was not at 100% i i physically looked like somebody who was going through something so i had i had a lot of nervous tics from anxiety and and depression i would i would bite my lip and i i would shake and I had to address it on stage. And I, I would say now, initially, I was like, well, this is terrible. This is a real handicap. But as I look back on it, 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 it was a godsend because I had to address it on stage. I had to talk about 
about depression and the most comfortable way for me to talk about things that are that are heavier is through jokes and making fun of it and making light of it mm. so i think one of the first jokes that i was able to get across was i got recognized in the psych ward by another patient from having been on probably probably conan or, or i think it was a conan i think it was a conan appearance and okay. i remember as soon as he said i won't say anything to anybody i don't want to make you uncomfortable but i'm a i'm a big fan and i remember thinking if i when I, when i get out of here this will be the joke that i tell if i'm ever able to address this on on stage because it was still something that i was like nobody's going to want to hear about this and then lo and behold when i got back to doing comedy it was it was something to say listen i i just got out of the hospital that's why i'm shaking and i don't know if it raise your hand if you've ever been recognized in the psych ward from television and that was a very easy joke but it, it lightened the mood and it and allowed me to address things and and get a little bit more specific. So that was really helpful. I was going to say, more importantly, it, it it helped you. You know, when you're talking about lightening the mood, I think, you know, as comics and, you know, as a comic that has, has been vulnerable on stage and that has talked about things that some may not think uh, one would dare to go into to find humor. For me, it was when my mother passed away. You know, I never really grieved and I never really uh, truly embraced it. And, you know, my way of doing that was getting it, getting it to a space where I could make it some type of material because that acted as my comfort space. Um, and, and, you know, as I, as I talked about it, I, I found like a sense of relief in, in myself and kind of like, okay, this is, I needed to get this out. And this is the way for me that it made sense to get it out. My, my question for you, Gary, is, you know, it's not like you were a stranger to success in comedy. You know, you, you were thriving as a comedian and, you know, you're still a fucking great comic. When you say you were, it was the doubt or, you know, not, not really thinking that, you were in your own head about certain things like is this good enough or is it not did the audience play a, a factor in this ever or was it just a thing of you versus you yeah that that is a, a really good point not a lot of people have asked me about but it, it's it's something that is it's a symptom of depression but it just feels like it's your your brain telling you the truth but your brain is saying you're you're worthless and these jokes are are not original and you're talentless and also your best years are behind you i mean that that's the thing that i that i keep thinking about is what a lucky position we're in cuz i'm i'm watching the nba playoffs right now and like lebron is in his in his mid 30s and he's a he's a veteran and i feel like with stand up when I got to my mid thirties, I, I really started to to figure it out and 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 get my my get into a groove. And so we're really lucky that we can keep improving at this thing into our fifties, sixties. I mean, guys mm -hmm. like Carlin and Larry David and just people who are still active doing stand up. It's it's really in, inspiring. But the thing was is that my my brain it was it was exactly as you said. It was me against me. It was my brain saying. You're never going to write another good joke. And then so much pressure was put on every single show so that I would, I would get anxious. And I hadn't gotten anxious going on, on stage for, for spots, like New York spots, 
since since I was in my 20s. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. can I win this crowd over? And I, I can remember leaving and, and just walking around the village just on the on the brink of, of tears, just thinking I've I've lost it. And I got great laughs, but the laughs felt like, well, they're laughing at things that I thought of when I was healthy three years ago or, or a year ago. Is, is mm, always always finding a, a thing to kind of grab onto yeah and that the new stuff didn't work so i'm i'm worthless and i'm never going to write another good joke but but what people who are in the midst of it don't understand is is that's the role that br- the brain is playing in your life when it's when it's been hijacked by depression it's sort of a, a veil that's covering your your face and and telling you all these things that are that are really lies but much like I, I have a real kinship with with people who suffer from from addiction because it, it seems like their brain is telling them anything it can to win win their mind over and say oh use again and and I, I feel like that with with me that my brain is telling me anything to in in my case want to I mean I was I was suicidal so I, mm-hmm. I know it's grim but that's the way I was thinking my brain was telling me anything it could to make me not want to go on with life and and to be able to to face that head on was was not easy in those times it was it was it was very helpful that I went into the hospital because I I felt I was a, a danger to myself at that point You say I know it's grim let me tell you something man there's there's beauty in and what you're saying and what you're doing, right? Because, because this experience that we're talking about, we're not aware of how many other people may be in the same thing or or trying to figure out how to deal with the same thing. And and what I'm gathering right now, just from this part of the conversation, is it's something that you know you've over you've overcome the darkest side of it like when you're talking about going and getting help and you're talking about you know the point where yeah we got to the point where i i had suicidal thoughts or i or i was a danger to myself like well we're you're talking about that right now you're discussing it which means that there's a there's a sense of comfort in you now and and a and a, and a strong a strong evolvement like you you've evolved you're 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 past that point and and that's big so you know i I don't want you to feel like this is heavy or too heavy at all uh because it's it's not it's dialogue it's conversation it's real and and it's your experience and your story when you say that you went through the things that you went through did you have somebody that acted as a um as somebody to talk to like who are you talking to um, in, in this time. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's a, that's a really helpful because I, I, I wanted to, to just highlight the role my, my wife Sade played in this and she's, she's featured in the, in the documentary portion of the, the special I did. And she just, she was really helpful in that she, she went to every appointment with my psychiatrist. So he was a very important person in helping me decide what kind of treatments I wanted to pursue and whether I would go into the hospital and and just how I would how I would handle my my business and and he he was very effective in 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 convincing me in a very gentle way that that I should that I should check into the hospital but my my wife was there to ask the questions that I, I was either either too out of my my element asking and in, in that 
I was very insecure about myself and, and that, that's part of the depression. So I, d I didn't feel like wasting this guy's time with asking him questions that I thought maybe weren't up to, up to par as far as a doctor goes and, and Sade would ask those questions for me. She was also doing a, a, a great deal of research on, on her own about all the treatments that were available and some of the treatments that I was doing. And, and the, the other thing was, was that she, she stood by me. We weren't married at the time. We, we had been, We've been going together for about six months and, and it was a fantastic six months. And then the, the bottom fell out of my, of my life and, and she st stuck by me and she stayed there. Yeah. She wow. stayed there. So she's ride or die. And, I, and I'm, I'm so grateful. Wow. Yeah. I'm so grateful for her. And I'm so happy that the past three years, almost four years that I've been, that I've been healthy, that we've been able to, to have the life that, that was sort of promised to her in the first six months, which is that I was a, a person who was, wow. was enthusiastic and optimistic and hopeful. And, and by nature, I'm, I'm, I'm not Pollyannish by any means, but I'm much more likely to advocate hope and believing in yourself than say any kind of cynical view or anything like that. I, I mean, that, that's one thing that, that draws me to your, your comedy on stage, of course, but also I remember seeing it, I, I, it may have been with with Oprah, but it was a, a major thing where you had paintings of your heroes hung up in your home. Oh yeah, on my wall. Yeah, which is something that I, I've done since I was uh, uh, in high school. As far as back then, it was it was Patrick Ewing and Larry Bird. Wow. But, but now it's it's other comedians that I love and actors and and activists that I that I love and and characters that inspire me and and so it's inspiring. Yeah, it's it's just that there are so many comedians who are who are cynical on stage and off stage, and and I I think they're dragging an anchor that's that's not really helpful. You know what, man? Those pictures that I have on my wall, there's like a hallway. There's a hallway in, yeah. my, in my house. And, you know, I put what I consider to be some of the comedy greats on my wall. And, you know, they're in some of the most animated faces or, or cool posts. Yeah. But the reason why I have them in a hallway is because no matter what, I have to lock eyes with these pictures at some point. Yeah. And, and when I look at the success that they've had, when I look at what they've done, not just for themselves, but for the craft, for the craft that I love, for the for the craft that, you know, I give so much to, it it makes me it makes me always it makes me be thankful, one. It makes me be thankful to be able to do what I do for a living. And for two, just to never have an excuse to to put effort into to the business of a joke right like like look at what can happen when you put the effort into the business behind a joke this is a definition of that so you know those pictures for me serve a valuable purpose and you know everybody needs a little boost everybody needs a little push oh my gosh a push yeah. a boost it's much needed dude i think that's your wife like you saying the word ride or die being there for you that's fucking amazing, man. Good for you. Uh, are you guys married now? You, you well, not. Are you married? How long? I'm sorry. How long have you been married now? We got married by by Zoom during the during the pandemic. Um, are you serious? Yeah. So so <laughs> we we've been together I think since 2014, and we've been married since October. Wow. 
Why the pandemic wedding? How did that come about? Because we had planned on doing it before the pandemic, and and I just I kept referring to her as my wife. Like I in the in the special, I thought by the end of the special we would have been able to get to get married. So in the special, I referred to her as my wife. Also, partly. I didn't want people to think that this woman who was who put aside her life for me was being called a girlfriend. It just made me sound like a a, a very selfish teenager. So I, I referred to her as my wife in the in the special. So we 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 got it done over Zoom with four or five friends, and it was it was really meaningful. It was terrific. That's dope. That's dope as yeah. hell. Yeah. Very intimate. Uh, intimate Zoom wedding during the pandemic. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Um, how did the pandemic, how was that on you? You know, after going through your journey, recovering, and, you know, being put in the position where what our outlets once were are kind of taken and you know we're all kind of shut down how was that how did you go through that one it was a great test of the stability of my recovery so i i kind of look at that as being grateful that that no matter how things that i have no control over no matter how bad they get i can i can keep my head up and the other thing was that i found through the through the Great Depression, I'm sure you've you've found this over the years, and it's just a it's a great byproduct of of having some some fame, which is that people reach out to you and and share their stories. Sometimes people will ask me for advice, and so I I had a lot of opportunities to go on. I, I remember on the first day of the the shutdown, I went on CNN to talk with with their anchor John Berman about what you can do during a pandemic to maintain your mental health. And, and it was, it was, oh, it was wow. helpful for me also though, because I, I had to make a list and say, well, what are the things I did to recover from my original depression? And, and what have I gotten lax with? And what are the things that I really have to have to augment or adhere to? I mean, w- one thing that, that happened during the the early days of the pandemic was you were worried about how do I, how do I exercise? Because exercise was, Mm -hmm. was one of the biggest keys to my, to my recovery. And, and so, so I just kept saying, and my mantra was I'll, I'll figure it out. And, and that's been, been so helpful. And, and, and also I, I just think that so many people who maybe didn't address their, their mental health needs were were sort of forced into it by by this crucible that was the pandemic. So I I, I think just like yeah. like what you're saying with the grieving process with your mom, there there's sort of these these things where you can. I I always think of this quote by Mark Twain: "You can make yourself feel better by making others feel better." And and I I really think that's part of our evolution. I don't think it's a coincidence that you you 
I, I know you've done this for so many comedians over the years, but and and it's it's really nice to be thought of as the guy who helps out. But it also it really feels great to help somebody get on TV and and to I I don't get as excited as I once did doing a, a five minute spot, but I get just as excited getting this young kid on a on a on a TV series or or more likely a just a, a five minute spot and and helping them them grow in that way because they they're so excited and so grateful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you when you say that it's it's weird because there's joy in finding joy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I truly do believe that there's a lot of joy that comes from finding joy, bringing other people joy or acting as a segue to it. You know, um, I believe that happiness can be contagious. Yes. I believe that it's something that, you know, if you choose to pass on, people have the option to take it and then pass it on. It's like a baton yeah. if, if you want it to be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I strongly I identify with your saying strongly because it's it's something that I find a tremendous amount of happiness in when when I'm able to do for others or or you know um uh help catapult other people into any type of success or you know making the connections for people when they in a you know business relationship aspect just any anything where I feel like I can I can help I definitely I definitely try my best to to do um when you talk about the pandemic, right, and you're saying like, you know, you were you were able to go back and use the things that you practiced and 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 kind of get into your mantra of what you once did and it helped you move forward and get past it. Let's get back to talking about stand up now. Yeah. Right. Like shit. It's been a, it's been a minute since we've been able to be active and and really get up, get out in front of crowds. How do you feel like your journey towards that stage now is going to be? as we go back do you feel like it's a it's it's a it's a tough one do you feel like it'll be easier what's your mindset going into comedy now i mean i i i was very fortunate in the position i was in when when the the lockdowns started so i was in the middle of a tour that i had i had written the hour and a half for this tour in between finishing the the great depression and and it airing and then i went on this tour and i still have like like two months of dates left where i'll use that that material and then i have a, a separate a separate tour from that so i'll be able to work out this this new stuff also in the city living in new york as it opens up i'll be able to work out this stuff and i'll, I'll be able to to stretch out this material i mean the the thing i always I'm, I'm laughing because i the joy i'm laughing at the smile like just hearing you talk about it like yeah like you're you're laughing talking about just getting up the tour the next yeah. material that's why i'm yeah. laughing I'm, I, I mean i i just that's the that's the one thing since i started that it, it was a blessing that i always recognized the only thing i really have control over is my my notebook and how much I'm writing every day and and I mean it you have to write every day I could be argued out of not writing every day but for me maybe it's a compulsion but I I need to write every day and the other thing that I have in my in my inventory of things to inspire me is that I haven't watched the last dance yet mm. 
on on Netflix. So I, I get to see the, the hardest working man in the history of, of the hardest sport to get really good at. You have not seen watch... it yet. Wow. No, I get to I wanted to save it until my next tour so that I would be inspired to uh. to leave it all out there and put and and put in the work necessary. Uh. So I, I'm just uh, I've held off and I've heard how good it is. And and once I start working on the, the tour and going out, I'll, I'll watch it. And and I, I predict a a really great special will will come out of the, this type of, of discipline because that that's. I mean that's one thing there there was the there was the the mania of competition that Jordan is known for but there was also the discipline in his workouts and his and his training and and that I feel really really makes the difference. You will <laughs> you are you are going to be blown away by the by the last I mean listen it's it's so good it's so good because it just showed how Michael was so different. Yes. He's so different, right? And, and you know, the energy and effort that he put into the craft of basketball and his competitiveness, you know, that's, that's what you're going to take from him. Like, there was a competitive nature, yeah. but also how he used it, you know, how he used his competitive nature to try to motivate and amplify the personalities around him. It's it's interesting. You're going to, I, you're in for an amazing treat, yeah. especially as a basketball fan, one, but as a, as a person that's just looking for, you know, just some added oomph to add to your, you know, attack on what you're about to do, it's going to serve an amazing purpose for you. I'm telling you, it's good. There was something I want to ask you, and I've been holding on to this for weeks now. Please. I, I watch you play basketball on TV, and and you're a basketball uh, player. You're not a celebrity who plays yes. basketball. It's, it's you're a basketball yeah. player. And as you know, basketball is one of those sports where you can't just be athletic. You have to put a lot of, of effort and time into, especially Absolutely. especially shooting and, and ball handling. So I found over the years that the, the same sort of devotion and, and discipline regarding becoming a, a, a good basketball player served me so well in in comedy just the the going out every night and doing the shows and and spending as much time practicing for the show as as i was doing the show even more and and i wonder if you could speak to that because i i i can't i don't think it's a coincidence that you're an excellent basketball player and and a master comedian listen it's it's you're talking about reps i mean you know when you you're you're equating the world of jump shots you're equating the world of drills basketball handling drills jump shot drills you're you're equating you know at a certain level how they're analyzing a playbook and 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 watching tape on their opponent and what they're playing there's hours that go into being good at the thing that you're choosing to be good at and you know for me in stand-up comedy gee i i was a in new york this is no exaggeration I was a consistent four to five spot a night guy. I was a consistent, you know, during the week, you're looking at, I'll say my Monday through Thursday, you're probably looking at 20 shows between those days, 
you're looking at 20 and then that weekend you know that's where that's where you were making your money so the weekend yeah. in new york you know i'm popping i was popping six to eight six to seven um and and doing it a to, to to get the reps but because that's what i felt the hustle was that's how i i really felt the energy of new york city it was getting in and out of a cab closing the door running to my spot doing the spot getting off the stage getting in another cab i gotta be in my next spot in 20 minutes it felt so good to say i oh got another gosh. spot yeah. i got yes. another spot and and for me for me gary that was something that i didn't I didn't want to lose sight of. I didn't want to. I didn't want to not respect that. So I made sure to hold on to that. And now, even at this point in my career, when it's time to get in the gym, when it's when it's time to go back in the season, like since we're using the the basketball analogy, when it's time to get back in the gym and back in the weight room because you got a season that's coming up. Well, you know, I'm I go back to New York. I go back to New York and I get my skeleton and then I start going to like comedy clubs that are on the outskirts and now I'll, I'll go I'll go do about 15 shows at a comedy club from Monday through Thursday or Monday through yeah. Monday through Friday and then I'll go back home for the weekend until I get my hour but it takes me about a year to get that next hour of just putting that practice time in because I'm yeah. because it's something that I'm just I'm as mental about it as you were referring to just about wanting it to be right i want it to be right um and i try not to be so hard on myself although i do understand how that can be a thing because you're you're what we were talking about earlier you're judging yourself to you it's, yeah it's, it's you against you so you know you got to play a weird game as to what's the what's the right amount of expectation to have from you what's the ease point what's the comfortable point you know right yeah it's a great <laughs> it's a great formula i love the the new york spots and then the going to the to the club and knocking the the uh the rust off it's great when you when you tour uh, a typical tour for you lasts how long and by the way your tour now i love the name of it you know a peace of mind i i love yeah I love what you're calling it. You know, it's it's strong. It's it's a strong like, it's a strong stance as to as to what you've been through, where you've come from, and now what this represents. I love that. Oh, thanks. How long do your tours normally last? I would say it, it it usually starts in the in the in the fall in September or October, and then I they go till April or or May, and it's it's usually between two and and four weekends a month, sometimes three, sometimes, sometimes four, sometimes two. And then, I, I mean, the thing I, I always think about with these, with these tours is just how, I mean, naming it peace of mind is, is sort of a, a signal to the audience who was so, so, I, I guess, patient or believed in me enough to say, okay, we're going to listen to this guy talk for an hour and a half about being depressed and being hospitalized and, and having some some distressing treatments so so this type around to reward them i'm i'm it's it's less heavy there there are no there are, there are no breakdowns or suicidal ideations or anything like that to d discuss I, it's 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 still biographical but it's mm -hmm. it's lighter so i wanted i wanted people to know about that but i i, I like to be on tour 
for for six months. I I feel there's I've I've heard I think Carlin talking about this over the years and the the guys from Monty Python. There's there are times to to inhale, which is to create and think and and write and do some spots, and then there's some times to you exhale and you put it all out there and you perform and and I I, I wonder if you you find this that every night is is sort of like this this full-on dress rehearsal where i'm i'm giving it my all but also there's there's this looseness of if i go on an improvisation or or fool around for a few minutes i don't feel like i'm wasting an entire crew camera crew's time or a director's time by doing this and and that freedom it it really works just that 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 permission to fail or that permission to take big risks is, is pays off so well down mm. at the end of the tour when, when hopefully at, at this point I can, I can say, well, I'll put it on a, on a special before it used to be, I'll put it on an album. And, and there's just, there's so much freedom there. And, and, and I, I think that spawns creativity and, and I'm, I'm so grateful that, that my career is at a, at a level where that's, a, that's a thing where I don't have to, to kill so hard in front of the the headliner that they bring me back as the headliner i mm-hmm. I, I can i can i can mm-hmm. be a little bit less competitive in in that nature and also know that the that my my fans are are patient enough and 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 can say that that well he he went off track for 10 minutes there but it it, it paid off so so, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that yes John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I remember when you were when you were on your touring days uh, and you were a part of, uh, I believe you were with Bobby Kelly. Yeah. Bobby Kelly, Dane. Uh, yeah. Who else was on that tour with you guys? It was you, Bobby, Dane. I, I think I'm missing one person. Or, But I remember back then when you guys were touring right when at that time back then how how was your mind then were did you have were, were you having any swings then uh with you your thoughts uh in that in that space as well yeah and were any of them aware well i i don't think people were aware because i wasn't comfortable talking about it i didn't want to scare everybody off i was i was convinced that people would be put off by it and i i I think that's another lesson that I learned about life and and friends is that you can expect more from your friends than than you might think you you are are entitled to like like I I didn't exp- I I guess I I sold them short because when it came time to share this with them they they were all open and and supportive and and, and encouraging but I I remember one one thing that that wasn't helpful was that i i was was viewing myself in in terms of the just the 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 difference in in fame level between myself and dane at that time he was this this juggernaut and and filling arenas 
and I was I was still struggling to get headlining spots in in clubs that were were next door to Spencer Gifts and Cheesecake Factory. So it was a, it was a big difference. And and instead of saying, well, I'm on my own path, I was comparing myself. And and I mean, I stole this from my friends in in AA. But there's this this expression, compare and despair. And and it was just it was it was it was driving me crazy. I was it, it, I'm I'm not a, a I'm a competitive person. I never think of myself as a jealous person, and I, and I, I was having to to tell myself that that um, you're still a good comedian just because you're not not famous and and you're you're not selling out all these these arenas and and colleges. You're you're still a strong comedian, and the people are 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 appreciating you. And it and it just was it was kind of a, a it was really difficult to to get through that in my in my head because it was it was it was part of the depression you you feel insecure when you're depressed because your your brain is telling you all the time that you're worthless so that that was really hard and also that when when you don't have your routines so i wasn't able to run every day or play basketball every day i was on a bus every day going mm -hmm. from from town to town and i i didn't have my my safety net and and my my life around me so that that was very difficult but I, I think it's it's something that I've learned in in touring and and you must go through the, through this too. There it, it's grueling to be on tour for a long time. The travel can oh, can yeah. really be invasive in in your in your family life, but also as far as your your sleep habits and and eating right. And and I, I just I I learned to be completely vigilant uh, about my moods and and what I was putting into my body, how much sleep I was was getting but also promising myself I would exercise every day on the on the road because it's 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 even more necessary when you're when you're not in your home environment to to try and maintain every every routine that 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 keeps you alive and and flourishing well the key thing that you said was learned you know like it's something that yeah. it's acquired like you don't you don't know off the back right nobody nobody tells you how grueling the tour life is going to be. Nobody tells you that this is the definition and, and meaning of the road. And they just, you're just thrown into it. And it's every day, every day it's the same, but it's like not the same. You know, you're losing more and more sleep as it goes on. You're waking up at wee hours of the night yeah. to travel to the next place. And like you said, if there's a tour bus sleeping on that road and journey from this destination to this, you get there. When you get there, you're in the hotel, but you're not really in the hotel for long. Shower, change, do the show. Depending on where you are, you may stay in a hotel that night or you may not. You may have to get on a plane and go home. It's like there, there is a crazy toll that it plays on your body and luckily early on i discovered that i remember i remember when i was on stage and like it was like 2009 this is 2009 maybe maybe going into 10 and this is around seriously funny and i remember being out of breath on stage i remember like really gasping for air and i was like oh shit like this this is taking a toll. Like I'm winded from performing. I'm winded. And I said, this isn't good. Yes. This isn't a good thing. I'm doing like back to back right. shows and I use so much energy on stage. If I can't 
if I can't get through this and I get to the next show and I'm worn out, these shows will progressively get worse. And then I, I looked at everything I was eating. I was throwing a bunch of shit in my body just all day, every day. And I said, this, this is going to have to change if I want the best out of me in this space. And I, uh, I kind of got a hold of it early. I got a nice hold of it. Yeah, I, I, I always try to figure out what would be really difficult to do for an hour or an hour and a half, however long my shows are. And I should be able to do that so that I make the, the doing the standup just something easy. I, I, I just have to talk for 90 minutes. I don't have to, like I got really into long distance running. I don't have to, I don't have to run in the, in the rain or in the cold. I just mm. have to talk for 90 minutes. And it reminds me, I, I, played, I played college football and if I got nothing else out of it, but the fact that we used to have to wake up at 5.30 in the morning to pretty much you ran till you puked. I mean, it, it was just a, a, a disgusting effort. But I, I remember for the rest of college and, and the rest of my life, I would say, I will never do anything harder than, than this. To just get up and go to class at 9 a.m. Is, is so much easier than, than running until I'm sick at, at 5.30 in the morning. And, and, and as, as much as I resented it, it was this great, it was this great lesson and, and proof to myself that I could do something really difficult. And, and just over the years, things that, that just, that a, a lot of people would complain about getting up for an early flight. It's like, I, I don't have to, I don't have to run and, and jump. I just have to show up to this flight on time and, and check my bag. And it, and it, and it's just, I, I, I found that to be a, a really helpful sort of life hack, I guess. When you say you got in the long distance running, how long were you running? I, I mean, 10 miles was, was sort of the, the long day of the week. So it was usually a four That's mile. Cool. And then, and then the, the longest one was, was about 10 miles. And, and that was, I, I mean, that was, that was integral to my recovery. I, re, I really believe that. And, and at first I would have to I would have to run and listen to, to books or podcasts. I would spend the hour in my head thinking disaster and catastrophe. And then mm -hmm. eventually my, my, I, got, I, I, I took back the, my mind from the depression and, I, and I, would just, I would create while I was running. I mean, so many great ideas come to you when you, when you only have your, your, um, your pace and your heart and things like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's helpful. You can listen to books and podcasts and, and get information, but I think creatively we're, we're, we're programmed to, to think and, and, and get rid of the boredom on our own. And, and that's why I think so many people have so many great ideas in the shower because it's one of the last places where nobody can get to us. Running is so valuable. It was so bad. I don't. I don't do the long distance that much anymore. Um, it was. It was kind of. It was getting tough on my knees, like the. the oh yeah. Concrete. It gets yeah. tough. So you know, I, I pull back. I pull back from the amount that I was. Uh, I guess you could say weekly. There was a. There was a moment where I was putting miles in because I was training for marathons, right? And, and right. And right. I was really running, really running, but during those runs. The sound of your heartbeat, the sound of just of nothing, and and your your feet hitting the pavement, it it puts yes. such a zinning calm, yeah. such a nice calm. I remember like coming back from runs, and you just it was just a reset. 
It was like a nice reset. Yeah. Like I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for my day. Like it's it's you got comfortable with the pace and you, you ran that pace for a while. You come back and it's like I'm I'm ready for my day. Like I'm I'm ready to attack yeah. the week or whatever, man. And it's you know, it's something I still do. I just don't I probably I'm I'm like a two to five mile guy now, you know. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Yeah. The truth is is that is that a half hour it's perfect. It's fine. Even fifteen is even fifteen minutes is, perfect. is it's funny. great. I we just, just got keep into getting this lower. Thing where I, Five minutes. Where I wanted to what? <laughs> we just keep getting lower. It started <laughs> off ten miles, yeah, thirty yeah, minutes, yeah. fifteen, yeah. two. Well, two yeah. minutes at the end of the I day. Just, <laughs> I don't want to intimidate the people who are like, Well, if I can't run ten miles, yeah. it's not it's not worth yeah. it. It it is it is <laughs> worth it. And and whatever amount of time you put in, you get you get back in energy. And, and, and that spirit that, that you, you get, I mean, I never got that runner's high, but I always felt better mentally sharper and more positive after I ran than, than before. And significantly, like I, I think at a certain level of, of, of stability in my mental makeup or, or once my depression lifted, I was getting a, a bigger boost from the run than I was any kind of antidepressants. The antidepressants got me to a level where I could run. And then the run was taking me to a level where I was, where I was actually just, I, I mean, I feel that way now I'm so in love with, with life. And there was a time less than five years ago where I was like, I don't, I don't know that I could, how much longer I can face this. It's, it's just, it's so, it's such anguish and and so I, I i i mean i can't tell you how grateful i am for that well let's celebrate where you are now i mean you know we <laughs> we know where you've come from and and i love once again that you're so vocal about it and and telling your story and i hope our listeners can can really understand like how important this is you know mental health mental health is 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 highlighted now it's, it, there's a spotlight on it because you have more people speaking up about what so many felt like they had to handle on their own and i myself i've i've grown to respect and and appreciate those brave enough that are going through mental health issues that have that have that have voiced them because you're you're making us all aware and the more that we can be aware the more that we can lend a helping hand where we possibly can and sometimes it's just being a voice of positivity sometimes it's being support sometimes it's giving a shoulder um and you know in your case gary talking about how your wife was there for you and, and stood there with you through it all like you know that's that's important it's and it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to hear and i love that you're writing the book i love that you're getting back to stand up i love that you're you're now finding new life in in life i i love it and I, I think this is where this is where you now shine this is where you shine and 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 you fucking go and you do what you do best you're a fucking great comic man you're a great comic you always have been and and i'm i'm happy to say that like we'll get to see you be you i'm happy to say like you know coming out of this pandemic you're going to go and get back to being you. And that's a beautiful thing, man. The guy that yeah. you fucking are, the comic that <laughs> you are. 
And that's 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 my truth to you, man. This is this is dope as hell to hear you just say the things that you said and talk how you've talked through this goddamn podcast. I love it. Well, that's really nice to hear. And I I I, I think you know that when another when the audience laughs, likes us, it's nice. We love it. But what really what really does it for me at this point is when when other comedians have have reached out and said yes. positive things and it just it feels so so great because I, I I know just from from the paintings you have the reverence you have for the for the shoulders we're all standing on and and to be embraced by mm -hmm. them is just uh, that's that's really priceless it's 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 so valuable to me so i i can't thank you enough for this i i mean it man we're we're fraternity i say it so much you know as as comics it's not about the competition it's about the doors that we're constantly opening and and through those doors more of our peers can come through and and open up other doors you know it's it's something that continues to grow there there's nothing yeah. better than a laugh which is why it will always be needed. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. A laugh will always be needed. And we provide that. That's what we provide. That's why we're valuable. We're an asset. We're an asset to life. We're an asset to feel good. That's how I look at it, man. And you know, I'm never I'm never gonna change that mindset. And I'm a I'm a comics comic. I love comics i love comedy that's why I'm, i do this podcast i get to talk to all of you guys and just have real conversation man and today today's conversation was no different it was dope as hell man i'm i'm glad i that appreciate you did it. it i'm glad you did it i'm glad that you're in a great space gary and i and i and i can't wait to hear more from you man and i love that you're kicking this thing's ass and and helping those that may be <laughs> going through it I love that you're giving them, you know, some some information. I love that you're giving them some motivation to to understand that they too can get past it and they too can weather that storm. So, dude, this is uh this is comedy gold mines. And today, what an amazing mind we got in. Ladies and gentlemen, please, goddamn, say, say, say hello but not goodbye. Gary, because that's what people, because they're, they're about to see you again soon, man. He's got a tour. It's called the Peace of Mind Tour. Gary, the book, what's going on with the book? When, where, how? Uh, the book is through uh, Flatiron Books, a division of Macmillan Books. It'll be out. I mean, it, it'll probably be out in, in 2023, but it's it's called K through 12, and it's a it's a memoir. I have a, a, a blessing and a curse of a memory of my entire life since since I was five years old. So I, I have stories and, it, and it's, it's funny, but, it, but there are also, of course, moments in every kid's life that, that at least at the time seem, feel really heavy and, and sad. So it's, it's, a, it's a combination and, and I'm very, very proud of the work I've done so far, but also it's, it's, it's a great feeling to see yourself and, it, and it's like in comedy and in basketball where you put in the effort every day and you see improvements and things get easier. And I, I, I just hope people can, I, I always think about this. There've been certain things in my life where I think when I first started doing it, it was so hard and I never thought I would be able to, to do it. And now I do it without thinking. And, and this is, this is something that we, we should keep reminding ourselves that we've overcome so many, so many obstacles and things we, we thought we were in over our heads and we didn't give up and we, and we, we we made it through. I love it. 
I love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Thanks. Gary Goldman, man. Comedy Gold Minds. Where we get inside the minds of brilliant comedians and why? Because what amazing minds they are. Today's mind was no different. Thank you again, Gary. Thanks, brother. It was great seeing you. You as well. Comedy Gold Minds is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.